to the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 31st of January 2016, entitled The Given. And the Bible reading is taken from Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 to 13. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 9 through 13. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Verse 13 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, this evening that we can have this privilege of looking into your word once again. Now, Lord, as we take these next few moments to look here, we pray, Lord, that you might speak to our hearts on this very familiar topic. Lord, just remind us what a glorious, precious thing it is to be forgiven by you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Of course, this passage begins with speaking of all that Jesus Christ is. Literally, he says, the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Jesus Christ and his flesh. He couldn't have been any more God. The complete fullness of God was there. And then if he is all of God, he says, you are complete in him. And of course, he goes on to explain some of the things about that first 13 is where I want to specifically draw your attention. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. He goes on to explain further, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or the day of the moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You know, so many times we can become so familiar with something, that it loses its impact. It loses its strength. We've talked about this in other times, and certainly what I want us really just to, just to think on one word this evening for just a little bit, that's the word that we see there. He says in verse 13, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out everything that was against you, forgiven. What does it mean to be forgiven? You know, there's nothing wrong with familiarity, but sometimes when we're so familiar with something, we need to 
refresh our minds. We need to be reminded. The same thing. It's just like, you know, the people that you sometimes hurt the most are the people that you're the closest to. Sometimes it might be your spouse or your parent that, that does so many things for you to be such a blessing to you, and you just become so used to it that you fail to realize what a tremendous blessing that it is. Well, certainly as a Christian, forgiveness is something that is just a part of everything that we do, being forgiven by God. And I just want us this evening just to renew our minds, to remind ourselves. And I've really got four things that I want us to to just think on for, for, for a few moments. I won't keep you long. First of all, what forgiveness means. If you had to describe forgiveness and what it means, how would you describe being forgiven? Secondly, to whom is forgiveness given? What is it? Who is it given to? What is the extent of that forgiveness? How far will it go? And of course, fourthly, the power of forgiveness. If I ask you, first of all, this evening, if I ask you to define for me what it meant to be forgiven, have you ever gone to somebody because that you had maybe done something to hurt them or to offend them, and you've asked them, said, please forgive me? What are you asking for when you ask somebody to forgive you? Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe instead of asking someone to forgive you, that you have forgiven someone else. What does it mean when someone asks you to forgive you, forgive them for something that they've done against you? And we need to keep in mind that every sin we commit, whether it be in action, whether it be in thought, every sin we commit is against God. It's always against God. It may be against somebody else as well, the act, but sin is always against God. Now, one of the first books that I've always recommended anybody that wants to study God's work is you go out and buy an awful lot of books, but there's nothing greater than having the Word of God and being able to just try to digest it before you worry about what everybody else thinks that it says. And one of the great things that will help you in doing that is just a good Strong's Concordance or something like that that you can take, you can look up a word, and you can find just what all that word really means, and you can follow it throughout the Bible. Where else is that word used? How is it used? And it's amazing what just doing one simple word study, what it can do for you. Well, I looked up the word forgiven. I'm sure I've looked it up many times before. And it's amazing because I'm wondering as we think in our minds, what does it mean to forgive somebody? Well, a lot of times we get so used to it that it's like, okay, well, you know, I forgive you. I'm not going to hit you. Uh, you know, I, I forgive you. I'm not going to try to get even with you. Uh, I forgive you, so I'm going to uh, keep my anger under control. Do we really, really stop and realize what forgiveness means? Well, it's actually interesting that as we look at this word used here in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, when he says, having forgiven you all trespasses. When you begin to look, there's a number of things that that means, forgiven you all trespasses. Well, one of the things that word means is to bestow a favor unconditionally. When you forgive someone, it's to bestow a favor 
unconditionally. In other words, it's something that is given graciously. Forgiveness is not something that you earn or that you buy. Forgiveness is something that is given unconditionally, given graciously to someone. It's not true forgiveness if you start saying, well, I will forgive you if you will do this. I will forgive you if you'll do that. Forgiveness is a favor that is unconditional. When God forgives you, here, having forgiven you all trespasses, every sin, all of them, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, forgive you everything. It's a slate wiped clean. God is bestowing or giving a favor unconditional, and he's giving it graciously. It means not only to give it graciously, it means to give freely. It's something that you give to someone not expecting anything in return. You forgive them freely. It means to give in kindness. I don't know about you if you've maybe seen it in other children, but in our own children, one of the things that you begin to try to teach your children from an early age is to behave, to do what they're supposed to and not to do the things they're not supposed to. And sometimes you find that they may act against uh, the child or a brother or a sister. They may act in a way that they ought not to act. And you may teach them, tell them you're sorry. Say, the, tell them that you're sorry. What? In actual fact, sometimes you can tell when they turn around, they say, I'm sorry. They're doing what you told them to do. They're speaking the words, but they don't mean it a bit more than the man on the moon. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're doing it because you tell them to do it. Well, when we say that I forgive you, what he's saying here is something that is it's given in kindness. It's given freely. It's given graciously. It's not something that is just done because that it is deserved because in the first place, if you're upset with somebody for something that they didn't really do, guess what? They don't need your forgiveness. <laughs> they don't need your forgiveness. Forgiveness is when you give them a favor graciously, freely, kindly. It means to graciously restore one to another. When something has happened that has divided us, it means to restore one to another. It means to deliver one. And it means, seventhly, it means to preserve one that is in peril. All of these come from that one word. What does forgiveness mean? Well, just keep in mind that forgiveness means to give graciously, unconditionally, to give freely, to give in kindness, to restore one, to pardon one, to rescue one, to deliver one, to preserve one that is in peril, that has danger, that is coming against them. Well, it says that he has given you all of this. In, in verse 13, it says, having forgiven you, all trespasses, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad that it is, whether you deserved it or not, in Jesus Christ. Remember, he's got through telling us all of this is taking place in Jesus Christ because that he died on the cross, because your sins were nailed to the cross when he was there, because he rose from the grave the third day. When you go to God and you ask him to forgive you, he doesn't forgive you because you deserve it. <laughs> he forgives you graciously, unconditionally, as a favor, as an undeserved favor. 
He does it out of love and out of kindness. He does it freely. There's no strings attached. It's that sin that has separated you and tore you apart. He restores you. He pardons you. He rescues you and delivers you from the clutches of Satan. He preserves you when you're in peril because that sin will kill you. Having forgiven you all trespasses, having forgiven you in Jesus Christ. When you go to God in Christ, you don't just get partial forgiveness. What is forgiveness? It's God totally, with absolutely no deserving on our parts. God wiping the slate clean as if you'd never sinned before. It's gone. It's wiped out. He says here, it's literally blotted out. It's gone in the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because of what you did, but because of what Christ did. What forgiveness means. You see, grace Always in everything that God does here in forgiveness, grace is that which overshadows it. Forgiveness is given by God because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, not because of what we will do for him or what we won't do against him again. It's because of what Jesus Christ has already done. That's what brings us forgiveness. Sometimes in our limited way, we think that we will forgive someone if they don't do it again, we will forgive someone if we really, really, really think that maybe we need their friendship. We need to be restored to them. You see, what I want us just to be reminded of is that in Jesus Christ, God forgives us unconditionally. When we've gone as he shows here, when, when we gone and we're, our sins are nailed to the cross with him, when we're raised with him, that's what he says here, literally. He has quickened together with him. You've been made alive with him because he has forgiven you all those sins. Those sins were going to kill you. But in God, he's made you alive because they've been done away with. You see, it's amazing that even though that we ourselves can never, ever, ever do anything to deserve it. We could never, ever, ever pay for it for the value that it is. But yet, we sang that great old hymn earlier, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's, our, that's, that's to get our heads around. When God forgives us, there is no sin. It doesn't matter what I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it doesn't matter what I did yesterday. If I've genuinely gone in Jesus Christ, it's forgiven. It's gone. It's wiped away because of what Jesus did for us. It's because of what he did that our slates can be clean, that restoration. You see, our sin separated us from God. It offended God. Sin offends God. There's no question about it. Matter of fact, it separates us so much from God, sin is so horrible. That's part of what repentance is all about. It's beginning to see our sin as God sees it. And I want to tell you, it repels God. God wants nothing to do with sin. God can have nothing to do with sin. The gap is too wide. There's only one bridge, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, because of God's righteousness, 
because of his holiness. The truth is, is that he can't just sweep something under the carpet and pretend that it's not there. God can't pretend. It's impossible for God to play that something, pretend that something is that isn't or vice versa. God can't do that. Sin is real. Sin must be dealt with. Sin must be forgiven. Sin must be wiped out. It must be done away with. We find that we looked at those passages this morning in in Romans chapter 3. But now, our only hope, we're hopeless people, but now, because of what Jesus Christ did, now you can have his righteousness. Now he can be just and justify us. God can restore us and yet remain holy only because of what Jesus, only because that we're complete in Christ, only because of what Jesus Christ did for us. He did for man what man could never do for himself. Jesus lived that sinless life. That's why he was the only worthy sacrifice. He paid the penalty for sin because he owed no penalty for sin. Therefore, he could pay with his own blood for your sin that he might be able to forgive the unforgivable, preserved from peril. You see, the unforgiven are in peril. They, it's impossible to escape the righteous judgment of God. Part of that is what we're working back up to in that foundation that, that's laid in the book of Genesis. You know, many times we fear judgment because we're fearful of what we've done wrong. We're fearful of punitive judgment we're fearful of what the consequences might be. Well, something can be judged good just as easily as it can be judged bad. The problem is, is that God's the only righteous judge that always, always has all the information, understands everything. He understands even the intents of the heart. God knows it all. He's the only one that can judge righteously. He's the only one that can judge us. And of course, when we go to him in Christ, he will forgive us, he says, all of our trespasses. Even though the wages of sin is death, he gives us this gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Any person without Christ will face a holy God, but they will face him with a sin debt that they have absolutely no way of paying. It's unpayable by him. And therefore, he will receive judgment for him. And he rightly deserves that. Forgiveness doesn't just cover our sin in a way that it could ever be uncovered again. It's gone. When we are cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ, those sins are done away with. In Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse 17, the Bible says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. When God forgives, when our sins are truly forgiven, forgiven us all of our trespasses, do you understand in Christ... 
God can't see our sin. When God forgives us, he can't say, oh, yes, you did that before. Oh, yes, that's the one you've been. It's gone. He says he won't even remember it. We have trouble grasping that because we remember, we usually remember all the things we shouldn't and forget the things we shouldn't. <laughs> so we get it backwards. But God, when it comes to our sins, he's the one that says that he won't even remember those sins again. There are other verses in the Bible. He'll cast it as far as the east is from the west. The truth is, is that he'll cast it into a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. When God forgives us, oh, when we think about being forgiven, it should bring a joy and an assurance. I used the illustration here one time when I was preaching on this part, this earlier part of this passage about being complete in Christ. And I don't know how many of you might have been here. It's been a while back, but I used just a gold shiny box. And I put you inside of that box. And I said, you know, literally, the Bible's not just trying to make up stories for us. The Bible is showing us literally we are in Christ. All God sees is Christ. He can't see us when we're in Christ. And that's the only way that we can be before a holy God. And when we are complete in him, when our sins are forgiven, all of our sins, all of our trespasses, when they're forgiven by God, they don't exist anymore. It can never, ever be uncovered. You ever had Satan come to you and try to tell you, ha, 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 you remember this? You remember when you messed up there? You remember when you messed up here? Well, if you got that under the blood, you just tell him to get away. <laughs> you know, it don't exist anymore. It's gone. God doesn't even remember it. It's done away with. That's not because God's forgetful. It's because that it no longer exists to be remembered. It's under the blood. We find that we ask ourselves, well, you know, <laughs> that forgiveness, having forgiven you all trespasses, who is forgiveness given to? Here, he's saying, having forgiven you. You see, to that point, he's talking about believers that were once dead, he said, but they've been made alive in Jesus Christ. We look back to the passage we've been looking at the past Sunday mornings in Genesis. Adam died in the Garden of Eden. He said, but preacher, he left the garden. He was put out of the garden. He died in the garden. The moment that he sinned, that's when death came into his life, both physical and spiritual. Yes, the consequences took some time to totally catch up with him, but he died when sin came in. That was the death. Sin brings death. Every descendant we saw this morning, we are of the same seed, physically and spiritually. We are dead. All have sin. Everybody is guilty before God. You know, you're not unique. You can't take pride in just being the worst sinner in the world. Paul's already laid claim to that. And there's a bunch of others in the line, including me, right there with him to lay claim to it. But you see, the Bible teaches us that there's only one hope of crossing 
that line from death to life. That can only come when your sins are forgiven. Through Jesus Christ, through his work for you, we must recognize and accept that when God does it, it is done. It is complete. You are complete in him, in Jesus Christ. You can't be any more holy than you are in Christ. You say, boy, I don't see holiness every day in my life. No, because you're still seeing the old sinful flesh. But I hope that spiritually you're in Christ. You're in Christ, and he's in you. See, that's why he can go on in verse 14 here to say, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Every one of your sins, of your trespasses, were nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ when he died there on your behalf. So who is this forgiveness given to? Anyone that in their helpless state, anyone that is spiritually dead, that will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what he did when he died in your place on the cross, when he shed his blood for your sins without the shedding of blood is no remission, when he conquered death, hell, and the grave for you, when they went and found that empty tomb, may I say, if you put your faith and trust in that, then you are the one that your sins are forgiven. Before God, they're wiped out, they're done away with. That makes sense, does it? Don't make sense to me. How could God do that? Shows us the power of his forgiveness, of his grace, so undeservedly to give it to us. The extent of it, may I remind you again, the simplicity, all trespasses, all trespasses, all completely unqualified forgiveness. There's nothing left out from under it. You can't go to God and ask forgiveness for your sins in Jesus Christ and get 99.99999% wiped out, but there's just that speck left. There can't be any sin in Christ. There can't be any sin in you when you are in him. It's done with. All means each and every one of them. God doesn't just take away part of them. The apostle Paul when he was writing to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said this, 1 Timothy chapter 1 beginning with verse, verse 12. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, me, who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding 
abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause, I obtain mercy. That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him the life everlasting. What? For a pattern. He did what he did in me for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him, believe on Jesus to everlasting life. Paul says, you got to realize something. Man, I was, I was the lowest of the lowest. And yet God's grace, he forgave me. I mean, I didn't deserve to be in the ministry, not if it's based upon who I am and what I've done. No, God put me here because God wiped the slate clean. But he's saying, you know, and what he did for me, the worst, he says he'll do for those others. <laughs> he did that as a pattern. He did. It's just an example. What he did for me, he'll do exactly for those who put their faith and trust in him. You see, he forgives it all. He wipes it all to all them that believe. If you're here this evening, you're one of those that he's talking about here when he says, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice what he said just before that. Hath he quickened together with him. Quickened together with Christ. I just want to remind you in closing the power of forgiveness. You see, you can't have forgiveness. First of all, you can't have forgiveness without the death, but you can't have forgiveness without the resurrection. It only comes in Jesus dying and Jesus rising the third day. You hath he quickened together with him. You hath he made alive because Jesus died. He died for your sin, but God made him alive. And you, when your sins are forgiven, <laughs> he makes you alive with him. Literally means to make one alive together, together with Jesus, together with Christ. When you're complete in him, when you're forgiveness, you see a lot of people in this world, and I keep saying things, and even this week I've seen so many things on other religions and, and so many things on the differences, and, and I was reading again some of the things that, that are in the Quran where that they're told to go out and to, and to kill the infidels, to kill the unbelievers, whereas God does just the opposite for us. He doesn't tell us to go out and to kill the unbelievers and to wipe them out. He says, no, they're already dead. What I want you to do is go out there and show them how they can be made alive. I don't want you to kill your enemies. I want you to love your enemies. That's what Jesus came for, was to give himself for the sinners, for the infidels, for the unbelievers. That's what he died on the cross for, each and every one of us. The power of forgiveness is being raised with Christ, being alive in Christ. 
Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. It's in his resurrection. In his resurrection life that we have life now. Without Jesus' resurrection, there is no life for us. That's why we have life. That's where our life rests. The power of forgiveness. The restoration of a life that was lost. It was lost in Adam. It was lost there in the garden. But it was given once again in the second Adam. In the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave us life in the garden. Sin destroyed it. God gives you life again in Jesus Christ. When he forgives you. Oh, as Christians, we talk that turn around. We talk about, Lord, forgive me for this. Lord, forgive me for that. We talk about being forgiven. But sometimes we just, we just forget what all. That that simple term really means to us. What God has done for us what it means to be forgiven, what it's done for us, each and every one. How many times have you stopped and paused and thought lately? You know, I, I, I understand. Sometimes I get so fed up with myself. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes stop and pause. No matter how fed up you are with yourself, what are you in Christ? <laughs> Look at who you are in him. Remind yourself, that's, that's the only place to be, is in Jesus Christ. Remind yourself, when God sees you in Christ, that's your only hope. Satan, to get to you as a believer, would have to come through the blood of Jesus Christ himself. He'd have to get through that blood to get to me. He can't get to me without coming through Jesus first. It's impossible when you're in him. Not only, not only does God see you in his righteousness, not yours, but also Satan can't get to you because you're in Christ. He'd have to take down Christ in order to get to you. As long as Jesus Christ lives, you have life. If you genuinely, you can't believe Jesus is who he is and not have life eternal, all your trespasses, all my trespasses have done, finished, completely been forgiven in Jesus Christ. When we are complete in him, when we are in him, one day, We'll see the reality of that when this old flesh is done away with. We'll have that glorified body. But right now, I'm a child of God. And I'm waiting for his return for me. And that's the same one that's coming back for you. I give you these two verses in closing. I read this one, the prayer meeting for those that were, that were here on Wednesday evening. But I'm going to read them again tonight. In Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8, I want to read you a couple of things. First of all, verses 22 and 23, he says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. 
And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Yes, I wish so much that this sinful body didn't exist as a sinful body. It is a battle that we have, but what we realize is that God's promised us. We've already got the down payment. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that the last two Wednesday evening. He sealed us. We are his, and nobody can get through to us. We find that in these last verses of chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This evening, forgiven. Stop and remember and pause what it really means. There's only one place to get forgiveness. That's in Jesus Christ. But when you get forgiveness in him, when you get forgiveness through him, there's nothing left. He forgives you all trespasses. Jesus is sufficient for every one of your sins. And that's why also that when you're complete in Christ, nothing can separate you. Nothing. There's not a power on earth. There's not a power in the universe. There's not a power anywhere that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. It's impossible. You're secure in him. The devil can't get through to you, but you need to make sure because when you're not in Christ, you're not forgiven. And the consequences of that are terrible. But in Christ, Christian, boy, it's done away with. There is no possibility of there being any sin in you if you are totally in Christ. Father, I thank you this evening, Lord. There's so many things that we try to grapple with, and we know that, boy, we are such a failure when it comes to our lives so many times. Lord, sometimes it can be very frustrating. Well, Lord, I thank you this evening that, Lord, you show us that, boy, when we're forgiven, when we're forgiven, Lord, that all sin, all trespasses, 
It's gone. It's done away with. It doesn't exist anymore. It can't be found anymore. Lord, I pray this evening that you'd help us as Christians not to toss around these terms loosely, but help us, Lord, when we remember, help us to remember when we hear that word, forgiven, forgiven. Help us, as the old songwriter said, to count our many blessings, to name them one by one. Help us to recount and recall what it truly means to be forgiven of all of our trespasses in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.